Hello, listeners. Welcome to A Writer's World. This is Sean Griffin, a poet and writer who hopes to share some part of that world with you here on KWNK. It's a big subject, and we'll see where it leads. Today's program is entitled Reading Slow. When Toni Morrison was asked why reading her books was so hard, she famously said, that's why they call it reading. She also said, if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. These quotes bookend my life in reading, and yes, it has been a struggle from the start. I was always on to the next thing, never patient with what I did not understand or what did not come with ease. My curiosity cut short my attention, and consequently what I could have learned from a book was left wanting. It takes a certain amount of ignorance to presume you know enough to not read, or read as if you didn't need what the book held out to you. Not knowing enough to belong to literature, I would eschew that position for some time, not as participant, but follower, one who began in words and lived in words, but without the necessity of reading. It took some years to discover the converse is true. When you want something deeply, you do whatever is necessary to embrace its elusive qualities. I'm not sure when, but at some point in my 20s, I resolved to address the gap in my reading, a gap that has taken a lifetime to fill, and it is still a well of not knowing. I was working and writing and later trying to start a business, so books were not in the front of my consciousness. But still they were, and my mentors, the poets and writers who looked after me in my nascent desire, pointed me to the volumes that would save. It was the poets who saved me most with their urgency, their sterling minds that echoed across the generations, so that I and hundreds of readers might find their invitation. That's when I was hooked. The poems set me down to listen, as if for the first time to acknowledge what I had been missing. I'll never forget the day when my first publisher said to me, your title, Words I Lost at Birth, has echoes of Wordsworth, expecting me to understand, of course, the poem from which it came, Intimations of Immortality. What I heard was that he had read a poet and I had not. And so I fumbled with my father's library and found an old hardback edition of Wordsworth and started to read the poem. I'm still not certain I understand or appreciate it in the way my English scholar publisher did, but I know that it exists and can see the thread across centuries to the poems that it spawned. This is how we name our patrimony, our way to belong to the story, however insignificant. The story carries the next generation to its feet so that it may create something to be longed for, to be read in the moments when reading is like food or light or love. To read as if one's bearing depended on it. This is reading when you need it. All of us have reasons for our story, how we came to the migration of literature and how it reached to shape us. We claim those stories without chagrin. They are what changes us as readers. One summer on a beach in Mexico, I was bored and found the only novel in English and started Michener's Centennial. It took most of the summer to finish. 
It was heroically long and overly detailed, but finally something emerged. A pattern of mind that freed the reader to participate in the conversation Michener had had with the land. This book led me to his earlier novel, Tales of the South Pacific, which won the Pulitzer and was, in my opinion, much stronger. I remember little of the details of either book 40 years on, but they enabled me to join the conversation. They enabled me to partake of the table, to hear the voices spoken across the large and engulfing room of literature. And yet, because of my schedule and determination to finish what few books I wrote, I could not read for pleasure for years. When I began to write a book, it took months and sometimes years to finish the research necessary to complete the first draft. There just was no time for joyful reading. I fell further and further behind until one day in my forties I stopped and tried to change the course of my learning. I blithely started to read Ulysses, which subsequently sat on my couch for five years. Five years. My kids, when they were still kids, asked, Why are you doing this? Why don't you just give it away or use it for a doorstop? Because, I wanted to say, I needed to know Joyce. Needed to braille his path to Switzerland, through poverty, near blindness, translation to eat, through turning away from Catholicism and, in a very real way, speaking for Ireland without its chains. I needed to know Sylvia Beach, the Parisian bookseller who took a chance on him when nobody else would. I needed to know how he wrote the book, because I am an Irish poet, and that book is all poetry. Foolishly, I thought I might catch up, make a dent in the vast and unyielding stacks that stood before me. I started to edit anthologies, which, of course, meant I needed to read more, needed to understand where those authors came from, their genesis in the long conversation. This only led to more clarity. You will never catch up. You will read enough to get by and must live with this imperfection. I cannot come around again to learn what was left by the path. It is a certain humility that accompanies this journey and what is necessary to keep returning to the well. A clear recognition of the voices who have already been here already said what you thought was so profound. And many writers, while lying in silence on a shelf, know this. Their trade is one of rebuilding from the blocks left them by their predecessors. There is not a poet alive who has written more eloquently than Tu Fu of the poverty and humiliation of living with nothing but the natural world. The same is true for his companion Li Po, and yet here we are, 1,300 years on, trying to write as if they were not in the world. Paradoxically, while this should intimidate, it comforts. Someone has been here before. Someone has made this bed of straw, this lily, this loss real and substantive without fanfare. They were simply at the table, recording their vision, their unadorned vision. The novelist John Gardner referred to this as the vivid and continuous dream. They were in the dream. Nothing was between them and the poem, and that is why we, as readers, come to them now. We, too, are in the poem. There is no in-between. 
just poet and thou. One night, I was very lucky to hear the late Eudora Welty read from her stories. There were hundreds in the room, their breath hanging on her every word. And I knew, just like Lee Po, she was also in the dream, and we were in the dream. Her story of the post office became our story. In the hours she spent at her desk were hours you accumulate to bring the words to their rightful position, to make the story come alive. She was frail then, nearing the end of her life. A southerner, I would have never heard her but for the accident of my wife's education. Ms. Welty was reading at the same university. Her thin volume, One Writer's Beginnings, sustained me for years. Later at that same institution, I heard Maya Angelou recite Shakespeare for two hours, and not once did she look at the podium. I confess, I am not a student of the great poet, but I love his work. And when I have the good fortune to hear other minds equally consumed of his unsparing humanity, I take part. Those readers then became the teachers. They showed me how much the written word can do, what it can mean in a life like mine. They extolled the process of living inside something greater than yourself, and more correctly, your writing. They helped me to bridge that long-ago ignorance that left me paralyzed. Now when I think of books, I laugh. There is never enough time to find the right words in the right volumes. What you can find is a little joy along the way. They can take you from here, take you for a respite from this big, sometimes crushing world. They can teach you how to listen to what others might have done or seen in their short years. They can address the most difficult of losses and the lightest kiss of touch. They can take us from here with little more than our attention. And so, today I read for joy, having discovered long ago that I am not a scholar or a mensch, only a poet whose love of words has kept him alive. This concludes our program on Reading Slow. Please join us in the Collective Ethersphere Sundays at 5 p.m. for our next Meditation on Words, or stream it at kwnkradio.org. And please support your local independent bookstore. In Reno, that's Sundance Books and Music, and in Las Vegas, that's the Writer's Block. They're open, and we need them. Thank you, be safe, and spread a little kindness wherever you are.